0: Welcome to The Lumber Word, where industry veterans Matt Beamer, Greg Riley, and Ashley Buckold dissect the world of commodity lumber each week. We bring you up-to-date insights on supply, demand, and market trends, sharing our trading expertise to benefit everyone in the supply chain. Join us for informative and entertaining discussions that guarantee to make you wiser about all things lumber.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to The Lumber Word. This is going to be episode 14. Uh, Appreciate everybody coming up. Uh, Last week, we reached a milestone with uh, 2,000 downloads of the podcast since we've been recording it, and that is 2,000 downloads that we know of. In the Podbeam app that we use. So we're kind of excited about that. Real quick, a disclaimer: the Lumber Word Podcast is dedicated to engaging conversation about the lumber industry, including trade ideas, market trends, and evaluation of overvalued and undervalued assets. We wish to emphasize that the discussion and opinions expressed in this podcast are purely for informational and entertainment purposes. They should not be considered as financial or investment advice. We encourage our listeners to make their own financial decisions. Taking into account their unique circumstances and financial goals, and to seek professional financial advice if necessary.
0: Man, I love Ash. I just love that we've got an establishment here at the Lumber World. Well, and, and that was—I mean,
1: 100% <laughs> written by ChatGPT.
0: They did a great job too. Exactly. They did.
1: They did do a great job. They. I only have to type in one word, and then they type that up for me.
0: You went word.
1: Yeah, it's exactly, wow. exactly <laughs> it. Uh, The other thing I wanted to mention before we introduce our guest is we have our new website up. It is thelumberword.com. That's thelumberword.com. As we grow over the next few months, uh, we are going to add a lot more data into there. Every show will be updated on there with an explanation of it. Greg, you were asking about charts. We'll be able to put charts in there. It's also a place people can come to to ask us questions that they want to hear about during the during the podcast
0: do we have a place so we're gonna have a place on there ash where people can put their credit card information and in, we can auto build them monthly we're working on that we're working I on mean, that you know that's that's, kind of- that's what i'm here for you know a lot of guys say hey craig what are you doing you know like you know you love the lumber business you've been in it all your life and i'm going like yeah no i just do it from the money
1: <laughs> we will we'll work on that let me put a note down on that so we're going to jump right into it and introduce joe pepe from LMC, Joe, uh, Joe has been in the industry for, Joe, how long have you been in the industry for?
2: Uh, very long, uh, five years. You know, everybody else has either been here 25 years. So uh, yeah, you know, so, so five, definitely not a veteran yet.
0: No, you're definitely still a rookie. I mean, five years, that's like, that's a rookie year. So, <laughs> yeah. so
1: as with everything, I'm gonna let you explain a little bit, talk about LMC. I have worked with LMC directly or indirectly at all the companies I've been in, great group of people nothing but good things to say and we're we're excited to have you on i saw on linkedin where you were a mathematics tutor that's right that's right it took me four times in college to get through algebra one so if i would have had your help possibly i could have got through through in three i'm guessing right
2: Hey, lumber math is uh, is different from algebra, that's for sure. That's it, for it, sure. It, so you so, so you're took the right math course to get here. So I think we're okay there, Ash. That's awesome. <laughs>
0: oh, for sure. That's
1: awesome. And, <laughs> and uh, you were Temple Owl, is that right? Temple Owl. Temple right Owl. on. Yes, sir. You, you, beautiful. So let's just jump into it. To tell us a little bit about what you do, how you got into LMC, and, and what you're currently doing.
2: Yeah, so uh, to break it down here, my father actually worked at LMC about 20 years ago. He sold nails and fasteners his whole life. Um, you know, it's weird. Not that following your dad's footsteps is a, a bad thing or anything, but, you know, when it's like building materials, it's like, oh, you're doing what your dad did? You know, nobody ever questions it when you're a football player. You know, Marvin Harrison Jr. He's at Ohio State. Nobody's like, oh, nobody's yeah. questioning him that he's, he's going to be a wide receiver someday. So, you know, a little different there. But he got me into a lumberyard at 16 that he was uh, selling nails at. And, you know, that's how I kind of broke into the industry there from that point of view, just stocking shelves at the lumberyard. Pulling orders and everything like that. Graduated from Temple in 20, 2018 with a marketing degree, and kind of had you know that little tease of the industry uh, with with that. And then I interned at LMC, uh, my junior year of college. Then came back, graduated, and ended up back here. So that's kind of that's kind of the journey there, Ash. You've got two other guys that had a similar journey. So you either get in it by
1: accident or you're born into it. I, I'm kind of putting right. you into the category that you're born in born into it. I would agree. It.
2: I would agree, Ash, for sure.
0: Yeah, so like so as we started out, our careers were a lot rougher. I mean, I had to start unloading like boxcars of lumber by by like hand, you know, before they even had, you know, flat car paper wrap. Did you you had to unload trucks by hand when they came in, didn't you? So you
1: remember the deal when you and I worked together at block? Uh, if I sold my dad a truck, the deal was it had to deliver on Saturday, and I had to unload it and then hand put it into the bins. Bins. That's so, old school. That's the way to do it. So I would do anything for an order and agree to that, um, <laughs> and and it worked. So so Joe, tell us a little bit about LMC. What LMC is all about?
2: Yeah. So the basic overview is you know we're four hundred independent dealers you know that we group together and we're able to buy together and with that combination of all the dealers we can have the purchasing power and be able to compete with the home depots Lowe's, et cetera. so we independent dealers come together and make one big conglomerate and with that power we're able to compete with the big guys so that, that's really the the gist to keep it uh keep it simple
0: i mean the biggest challenge I, for you guys probably has been all these private equity guys rolling That's up, right. the independent guys. I mean, it's it's crazy when I look at some of the markets out there where there used to be, you know, five or six guys that you talk to, and now it's one buyer sitting in an ivory tower somewhere.
2: Yeah, with those private equity groups and how they're running their lumber purchasing, it's uh, way different from, uh, you know, what we usually see for sure.
0: Right. Well, and their buying strategies are so much different from privately owned independent dealer on right. how he looks at, managing the market, his inventories, et cetera. I mean, I think that's one of the things that really differentiates for your members is, you know, the expertise that you guys add to give them a competitive advantage in the marketplace.
2: You know, one of our biggest strengths is that we have 400 fiercely independent dealers. And one of our roadblocks is we have 400 fiercely independent dealers. (laughs) We have 400 different strategies that, you know, we have to, you know, make sure we're all accustomed to. So, it's a, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I've had a great time in this industry, and you know, dealing with all these different strategies and everything like that every day is a, it's definitely a challenge for sure.
1: So, Joe, one one thing you sent me over a week, a couple of weeks ago, was a little uh, a video, I yeah. should say, it's a, that you give to your to your members. And yep. I walked into Greg's office after listening to it. And I said, "Hey, you know, Joe really does a good job on this." And we, you were talking about two by six being. You know how greg we were talking about he went from overvalued and like hey joe thinks it's kind of getting cheap again and greg's like well joe's probably right about that right that's after we went from 600 and something down to 500 490 ish and uh, you were so anyway that's do you still do that on a weekly basis put out like content like that
2: yes i do and if i don't put a video out to the dealers i will at least get a message out there some weeks on Fridays, gets a little crazy. You know, even though Friday's typically a slower market day, you know, I I have a lot of catch up work that day. So I try to get a video out as much as possible. Like you said, Ash, I need to get more consistent with that. I always get asked for it. So I try to make it as much as possible. Don't you
1: think that now, and you being a younger individual in the industry, that just video and audio content on a regular basis to customers is is really a a difference maker right now, right?
2: Oh, it's incredible. And we have all the equipment here. I just have my tablet and my headset. I have the free audio production equipment or whatever on, built into Microsoft. So easy to get that content out there. It's just a it's little amazing. extra work, right?
1: Yeah. We had Kyle on from Sherwood last week and it was yeah, a great was show. Say, we talk- you
2: Yeah, the big guy, Kyle there from Sherwood, the CEO. And then now you got a five-year trader. So it's- Well, uh, <laughs> no, look at, look at it. It's-, it's uh, <laughs> You get all, you get all me, of life don't, there.
0: show him up on the show, Joe. Come on, come on, don't
2: do that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Look, you got a lot of good stuff in front of you. I think you put out good content, and you got you've got, you got you've got some uh, you got a good hat on your shoulders. So, last week we were we were talking about housing and and building and so forth. And this week, I am just as confused. Um, I was yep. you know just talking to Greg. I you you go out and you talk to uh, independents. Just got off the phone with one before we get on this call, and in the feedback was. Ah, uh, we're waiting for the owner to give us permission to buy again, and we're trying to figure it all out. Then you go to a great big chain, and they're like, "Hey, just going through our numbers month over month, we're down a percent, down big up in the Northeast, down or a little bit better in the Southeast." But it was October, and we thought things would be better. So there's a lot mm-hmm. of uncertainty out there. People are running their inventories thin. Uh, we feel uh, there have been no substantial curtailments announced, and and I mean, our feeling here is there probably won't be any substantial, when I, substantial curtailments in now between now and the end of the year. Mm-hmm. As Greg always says, you make your seasonal low in spruce, the third week of October. It looks like we're kind of following that again, but it's going to make it tough sledding. One of our one of the guys up in Montreal told me, Greg, this is a market where you sometimes have to skate and take your gloves off a little bit. What what's what
2: your those what, what you guys yeah yeah we, we, we got a lot of there. hockey mm-hmm.
1: euphemisms that we have <laughs> oh, to throw yeah, around I'm sure yeah all the
2: Montreal guys yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah they'll throw the hockey around
0: we got a we got a young kid who's gonna make some waves this year let me tell you at the Blackhawks look out
2: I, look, I, I mean ESPN is obsessed with them I mean he, yeah he, they're following around every single minute on the ice the Connor Bedard camera it's unbelievable I mean, you know,
0: they were like following him in the bathroom <laughs>
1: yeah right <laughs> so what's your thought. Gents, on the uh, on where we're at right now. It's Tuesday as we're recording this right now, but it's tougher to get orders, but they're out there. People are really looking for things. I, I'm what I see on like as you explained on the retail level, on the multifamily level, I'll let Greg expand on that a little bit. But on the wholesale level, some of the big international traders I talk to keep calling me looking for the same thing. So I think there's been short orders being taken over the last few weeks and at some point, probably some of that's going to get covered if it's not already getting covered
0: i think it's been asking my thing is i feel like that's all been being covered on an ongoing basis every week In, in eastern spruce joe and look at this at the end of every week i get the feedback from the mills that hey we've sold like quote unquote production not more than production but not much less than production so they're able to get it done but it's a drip 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 market that's You know depending on the item is down five to twenty five dollars a week and how much how much farther can it go down from here you know i guess my question to you is you know your sense of we get a pretty good sense that we think that end users inventories are you know they're not low they're adequate for the business that they have and they're they need to but they need to be in the market every week
2: right yeah, I mean, at these pricing levels and at the supply level we have right now, where you can you know get pretty much anything you need within two weeks, this strategy of just kind of just filling in holes is just going to keep continuing, continuing until we see something massive, some sort of drama, some sort of big curtailment or something like that to really bring this market back to something where you was like, okay, I need to buy further ahead and keep more on the ground because we're seeing, you know like we said, Ash on like two by six sixteens, you could, 400 port roughly on euro you could stock up your yard for a year and feel pretty good about yourself but guys just don't want to do that right now the
0: current interest rates it's like hey you know do I really want to add that much extra cost you know when you say like you know a year hey so maybe that's an item that you'd add like 30 days worth of inventory but you know that's my challenge Joe as I look at it I go okay so we're gonna have Probably more extensive holiday curtailments, and that will stretch into January. First quarter is the lowest production quarter of the year. My wild card is okay, how much like speculative buying to increase the inventories is there going to be when we're staring at the teeth of 8% mortgage rates and maybe going higher, right? That's my challenge. My challenge is trying to wrap my head around that.
2: Yeah, and then I keep hearing things out there, reading articles online and on LinkedIn that the industry is still somehow underbuilt. Question is, how underbuilt are we from interest rates from that were before this 8%, before the 6%? I mean, are all those homes finally built to the past two years? Because we were so behind on supply, not just, not just lumber, but hardware, doors, windows, et cetera. So are all of those projects... Finally done. Those finally built. Because I I just again I don't know where this underbuilt is coming from because it can't be from nine percent interest rates.
0: I mean, we probably need a million five houses built a year to sustain like where the population is. That's kind of what I think is kind of like an i look at that as kind of an equilibrium number. I mean, we do have this one point almost 1.7 million houses under construction right now. Yep. And I guess that brings that point is, Ash, you know, for our viewers, we're going to put up a chart that shows the spread between existing home, the median existing home price and the median new home price, which new homes are used are always more expensive than existing homes. The spread was out fourth quarter, 22, that new homes were worth, were going on median $100,000 over existing homes. In August, the spread was into 13,000. I'm trying to think through my head. So what does that really mean? I mean, I don't know that we've ever seen new homes on average costing less than existing homes, but
2: I'm projecting
0: that somewhere over the next three to six months. Ash, you had some great data from the Pulte earnings call this morning.
2: Yeah, that was a great, great article.
1: So I was reading Lance Lambert.
0: Shout out to Lance here.
1: A shout out to Lance, he put it out real time during the call. And basically what the Pulte Group CEO, Ryan Marshall was saying that that's their most powerful tool right now is their ability to buy down rates. This is a neophytes definition of what I heard Lance say. Their their, their real power is their mortgage side and buying down rates. So right during that, I came and I said, hey, Greg, I just read this about that Lance put out. Okay, that's great for the pulties of the world. What about all the other builders, the smaller right. ones and so forth? Can they how, how do they get into that? I mean, does that hurt them? Does are just these bigger builders going to start consolidating more with these smaller builders? Are is there going to be margin shrink now? Every tick up in mortgage rates now that buy down just becomes more expensive or when do buyers decide now the buy downs, you know, 5.75ish now? in a month what if it's 6.75 so there's a lot of things in the air there
0: i mean from a practical standpoint that's just a different way to cut the price of the house right good point from a practical standpoint whether you give away a bunch of free stuff that you normally charge extra for or you subsidize the interest rate this is just another form of price cut that's ultimately going to eat into margin
1: but it's but it's still positive for new at least for that group for poultive it's positive for Go forward, building, building, and selling new homes. Yeah, I mean, right?
0: I, I, I'm, I'm feeling like the single-family home builders. You know, it's not going to crash next year, but it's, it's going to, it's going to continue to be a challenging environment. That's for sure.
2: Yeah, i was curious. When it comes down to these big builders buying down these interest rates, you know, as a buyer after the fact, I mean, what's the mechanics of if you want to refinance that? Well, so I,
1: I the way I understand this, and I could be wrong on this, is these are they're giving them right now some of these are they're locking this into 30 years. So they're buying down the 30 year mortgage. It's not one of those that we saw a few months ago, which was which which was locked in for one year one, year two, and then floated to the current market. Those okay. were out there, but I think right now these are 30 year mortgage buy downs, right, Greg? I believe so. Yeah. So I, I believe in this case, there's no fear in year two right now that floating to the current market. They're actually buying it down, putting people in a 30-year fixed.
2: Is that the question, Joe? Was yeah. That- no, no that, no, that answers the question. Yeah. yeah. It, it's just uh, you a know, couple of years here in this industry. It's amazing how a couple of years ago, we had the most expensive lumber out there all time. And the people that were buying all the houses with the most expensive lumber were you know, the middle class. And now we have lumber that's not the cheapest it's ever been, but, you know, kind of average. And the only people that are kind of able to afford new housing is the upper class. So it's kind of a backwards world right now. Yeah. No, no,
1: no doubt about that. Um, so mills, let's talk about what our, what our mills are telling us, you know, Greg and I were talking about this in Matt. I don't think there's really very many mills in BC or the Western region, even the Western U S or in Eastern Canada that are probably, Making much money right now? No, they can't. Right? They
2: can't be right now.
1: It, I guess the question is: there's a a big difference between break even costs or shutdown costs. I think Greg, you always say that there's we're not a shutdown cost yet until people shut down, right? And those have so many different variables in them. One thing we noticed: we were able to give bids to a bunch of the eastern mills last week, and they're taking them. It seems to be a little pushback this week. Is that is that correct, Greg? You th- you feel that yeah, way I a little feel, bit like, from some yeah, of them? I feel
0: like. I feel like we're starting to get to prices where people are trying to dig in a little bit. You know, when you, when you talk about shutdown, everybody can lose money for a little while. You know, nobody can lose money forever. But more than that is the real shutdown is when you can't move the inventory. And right now, there's still great liquidity. You can sell everything you want at a price. There's the, the level of consumption. You know, I, I feel like this is a market that is pretty well balanced between supply and demand, except there's one more truck or one more car being produced than is currently being consumed. If I circle back on that and I go, okay, one of two things can happen now if we do get some sort of an announcement and people have an appetite to build inventory, then we could get, you know, we could get a 40 or $50 rally depending on the item. Conversely, as we move into November, seasonality affecting end use consumption, how much is that going to play? You know, when you think about it, then it probably not as I talk about it, probably not that much in November, December because 80% of starts are below the Mason Dixon line. So Really, it's not until January that weather's a factor. But I just have a hard time with the, in, with the current interest rate environment saying, hey, really, you know, people, people should build a lot of inventory. I mean, I love to stand on the desk and tell people to buy, buy, buy. I love that. I mean, that is that, yeah. that is like red yeah. meat A-B-B, for
2: me. ABB, always be buying, always Yeah, ABC, be
0: baby. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's so, ABB. But- ABB, yes. Yep. <laughs> there you go, Greg. There you go,
1: Greg. Greg, let's let's circle back to that. You talked to some some people in the uh, extended pricing world that went out to some of their multifamily people. And instead of them going in and buying it, they actually bought some wood and put it on the ground, right? Are we seeing that? What's multifamily gonna wow. be doing? What's what's long-term pricing gonna look like? And I had a person looking to cover some cars yesterday, said I couldn't ship a car for X amount of weeks because the inventory was too full at the reload, at a public reload. That's interesting reloading. because the That's reports that I've
0: gotten from reloads are that, that they're low. I mean, that was a report that I got from Matt in Texas this was yeah, a Midwest. That yeah. said that the reloads were low, yeah. particularly with the multifamily guys. That was interesting.
1: But are you are you here? What are you hear on the multifamily side, Greg? For people, uh, for the appetite to 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 either lock in prices here or build an inventory, because that's really you live a lot in that world.
0: What I'm seeing, what I'm seeing right now is there's a little bit of stuff. There's a lot of projects that are in the finishing up phase right now. There's some stuff for the first quarter, but one guy say was you know hey they're they're saying they're going to be down forty percent. I, I don't I don't think that's the right number. I'm still doing I'm still doing some research on multifamily for next year. But I do think that given this year, and I don't have what did they do with the number? What did I do with the number? You know how much multifamily is up this year? There's a lot. There's a lot of pipeline of multifamily units that are feeding into the market right now. We see it in rents now across the country. Some of the hottest markets, the rents are down the most. You know, and these are all positives because housing's really unaffordable, and we need the rents have to come down. And you know, as we're seeing, the rent the rent is too high. <laughs> wasn't
1: that a wasn't that, that guy talk about that in a political deal like six years ago?
0: Uh, so anyhow, Joe, hey Joe, I need to let we got to get some so you know some sense from you. Okay, so are you, you know, are you all in on the Phillies tonight? What's the deal? Talk to me.
2: Come on. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, I mean, Philadelphia sports in general, we always have to, you know, make it interesting, always dramatic, you know, they don't call them the fight in Phyllis for nothing. So uh, they definitely last night, they definitely were like, uh, eh, we're just gonna go for game seven. So uh, I think they wanted to create a little, create a little drama, and yeah, we're all in tonight, baby. That's that's for sure. <sighs> yeah, I mean, you gotta,
0: you gotta have. You gotta, have gotta a little be scared,
2: agita. though, right? You gotta I be scared. You to have a little
0: agita about that right now. Always,
2: right? come on, Italian, always eating pasta. Yeah, agita. <laughs> yeah, I, I live with it twenty-four-seven.
0: <laughs> uh, well, listen, I love. It. I mean, there's nothing like there's nothing like Game Seven. I
2: mean, nothing I like it. Really
0: happy. You know, I don't want to. You know, I, I don't want to hurt any of our any of our, you know the Astros fans out there. But you know, I was happy to see the Rangers get getting a shot at it. Yeah,
2: I mean, it's amazing. Astros uh, they, had a really yeah. good run. Yeah, they signed Jacob DeGrom. He can't play. They made the World Series. Go figure. <laughs> it's just uh, that's just how how it works. A few years ago, it happened with the Nationals with Bryce Harper too. He left, came to us. He's
0: he's like the such World a better postseason player. Uh, oh, in he's a, unbelievable he's Uniform
2: for yeah. sure.
1: One thing I wanted, to what I wanted to bring up, guys, the people love to hear we talk about us it. for all the buyers sitting out there. They're always looking for the next the next item they like. What items no, no, they no, no, don't actually, like.
0: They're waiting for the next cliff to go over. Right. Well,
1: that's <laughs> you could say that, too. But we talk about this every now and then. What What items do we like? What don't we like? I mean, I was going through prices today. Southern pine, obviously two by six still looks really inexpensive, but that's a big, big treater item, right? And obviously the treaters must not be in pulling as much yeah. of that right now matt's not here so maybe joe you you um you ever work in the uh pacific northwest world no, at complete all Complete opposite what, for me is gonna what, be all uh, South complete, complete Florida, opposite. uh all right well, let's yeah, just talk
2: the world you're, sure.
1: li- you're living in so what items if you were doing your show today I mean, would you I, like
2: like we said oh euro euro two by six i mean 16s 14s you know though i love them i mean that's uh especially 16s right now um i mean they are hot and cold but There will be a point where everybody's going to come in and want 2 by 6 16s And at these levels right now, I mean.
0: For our viewers, that's an item they buy. Yep. They should be buying, let's see, it's the 1st of November. That's a 60 to 90-day item because I can just tell you that December vessels and January vessels are already have no 2 by 6 16s on them. I can tell you right now.
2: That is the uh, that is the Euro mantra. Uh, right. They, you know, uh, I
0: just got a, I just got a tally for January Russell. I'm going, hey, there's no two by six 16s. And he said, Yeah, at this price, uh, we're not sending anymore.
1: So you're you're thinking that's a 60 to 90 day price move potentially. The
0: hard th- here's what happens with Euro. <clears throat> it sits, it sits, it sits, it sits, and then the last truck gets sold, and all of a sudden overnight the price is up 40, 50 bucks a thousand on uh, no volume, on uh, no nothing,
2: because Right, the
0: last guy that wanted to sell it sold it.
2: Right, they yeah. want that consistent liquid yeah. movement like you yep. see, you know, from the from the BC mills. They all come in at once, and there it is. Storage at the port is too expensive
0: to right. let lumber sit there. I mean, the thing you have to look at is what can you buy Western two by sixes from the couple of big guys out there. I mean, it's two something out of the million. Yep. You know, are you better today buying random length cars that ship in a couple weeks and get in, right? I mean if you're if if you're gonna build that extra inventory, I would say yes.
1: What about two by four sixteens? They haven't uh they haven't really um lost any luster yet. Yeah there's still a lot of love for those out there. They've yes, that trade has grown a lot, that lot too. I mean I and
2: you know first time last week I think in five or six months here, you know, into North Carolina, Eastern sixteens were cheaper than euro. You now, I mean Euro's goal is to you know, try to beat Eastern pricing, you know, everywhere they can. And for the first time, a dealer just said, hey, I mean, I'll just take the Eastern Spruce. I don't need the euro. When we start seeing things like that, you know, we should expect the euro to kind of start to react. Right now, they're not bringing enough 16s to really, I guess, worry about it. I mean, we'll see how long that lasts. Like Greg said, keeping keep a wood at the port for you know a long period of time when it comes to storage costs and just keep it there in general, because we know how Ports can operate. You have wood there, pretty long. I mean, I've been to a couple ports, and uh, you know they're moving that crap around when it's uh, when it's when it's there too long. So, yeah, the quicker they can move that wood, the better. So we will see when that point comes where they need to get these 16s out of there. But right now, they can still play it, you know, close to the chest here.
1: So, I think my item that I like. I continue to say I want to like two by six tens and one sixteen and five a's, but like you know Joe, right? We exactly. have to remember yep. where they need to go to, right? Because like like Joe Joe was saying, you go down to Texas, there's a few of the people still yeah, sloshing them yeah, around at the four seventy ish mark. Sure. Yeah, which which will be cleaned up, and, and we're we're able to sell truckloads to stay in the Northeast or go to the Midwest. but I think. Being produced in Canada, those two by six one sixteen are sure. probably going to have to stay up in the Northeast, uh, Midwest type of thing, maybe Southeast because I don't think there was a lot of two by six one sixteen Euro sitting on the dock in the Cape or anything oh, like other, that. The other thing, I you get it, on
0: down the East Coast, you got there's lots of there's way more places that you know are looking for Canadian SBF. You've got that whole you got that whole thing where you know Good. Texas is an an AFS market.
2: Any fine stick. Any I fine like stick? I like any, any fine, fine stick. That's another uh, one we got ABB and AFS. Okay. We're gonna keep note.
1: Here's one, here's one I wanted to ask about because because a couple people yeah. said talk about this during the show. Where are two by four one oh four five Ace going? Are they fairly valued? Are they undervalued? What what are people looking to trade them at? I, I know that's a multi-species item, but let's just talk about where the markets we trade in and live in. Are people building inventory on those? What are they priced at? Where should they be accumulated at? Because that's a big item that gets consumed. And are are they going to, you know, they're kind of trading on top of 2x4, 92 and 5 eighths right now. Are they going to go back to a, do you think they go back to a premium at some point? What's their Who's thought Who's going there? first,
2: me or Greg on this one? Go ahead, <laughs> Go ahead.
0: And then, you know, I want to hear what you have to say. So I have an opportunity to like, <laughs> like you know, that. to like swat it back right, or to, infer, yep, time to shut it, down the Young
2: it. Gun, right? Yep. That's yeah. uh, hey. Hey, that's a veteran move. I like it. I respect. I respect the game. (laughs) No, kind of like Greg was saying (laughs) earlier. I mean, I think kind of depends on you know how much we can move before these mill shutdowns that do happen every winter, right? Especially out east. So, I mean, it seems that the Boston Nines. I mean, I'm trying to think here. North Carolina last week, I was able to buy around four ninety five delivered on two by four nine number twos. I'm thinking that's actually up probably ten or fifteen bucks. Um, now with that, at that I'm thinking that's probably going to be short-lived it seems like the nines have been that way one week they're 10 bucks more one week they're 10 bucks less uh, I, I still think there's plenty of nines out there especially up in the northeast we've seen some pretty cheap nines you know out west too I mean I think there's still plenty of nines out there to be ahead I
0: mean it's like let's just call it 450 Boston at 450 Boston yeah. they're fairly valued they're not you know, they're certainly not overvalued, but they're not really undervalued. It's not a base you, that, that that's not a number that would go, oh geez, I really want to basis trade that item. You know on a relative basis, eight footers are more overvalued because you know trading at the same price or a little bit more. They should more like, you know, they're better value when they're trading forty or fifty dollars under. You know, the most interesting dynamic that you've seen is that the two by six nines have gone from being, You know, a hundred and fifty to two hundred dollars over two by fours to being the same price. Yep. And they, when you look at relative value, they typically carry more like a fifty dollar premium on average. Yep. They they're going lower. You could buy them under, but you know that's an item that's a real that's a real football and. You know, multifamily for the first quarter should be looking hard at that. The challenge is that yellow pine is so cheap that in the yellow southeast pine, in the southeast, pine any job that'll take that, I mean, they're getting they're getting clobbered.
2: Yeah. We I mean, we, getting clobbered. Yeah. Yeah. We know with the southeast with them being kind of foil with the Euro product. I mean, what does the price have to be for them to actually start to say, no, fine, we're gonna use yellow pine studs? Sets to be $75 a thousand under $150. I mean,
0: they were trading two or three hundred under and now, you know, the spread has certainly collapsed down here. That's for sure. That's for sure.
1: So Joe, Joe, quick question for you. Being a young guy in the industry, what do you see has changed since you've been in it? What are you seeing the positives going forward in the industry? So more people like yourself want to come in, be part of it, get excited about it. I'm excited because I see a lot more younger people getting into it. Greg and I went through years there where you couldn't get any new younger people COVID into the really, industry. Covid really and, helped and the age us. Yeah, Jake. You
0: know, lumber became so sexy during. COVID. That's right. Exactly. Uh, you know, that's... All of a sudden it's like lumber. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, but a lot, a lot of younger traders listen to this podcast,
0: and they're all to gonna pick be up on things you this because week, Joe. you know. Wow.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know I know we had the you know the 2000 uh, cool. 2000 downloads last week but we don't even know how many people are you know getting these illegal downloads you know it could be double. You know everybody <laughs> wants in, right? You know so who knows what the real number is, right?
1: We haven't we <laughs> haven't gone out looking for them yet. We're going to let them subscribe to everything. So what what's just just give us a little bit of feedback for what you've seen from being in it and what you why people should be yeah, in this industry off, that this are young. This is
2: a relationship industry for sure. Everybody could sell or sells a two by four, right, or a two by six. It's really all comes down to the person who's almost selling it to. Sure, there's quality, price, price, and shipment. Right now, you kind of hope you can get at least two out of the three. You know, when it comes to you know the industry itself, it's all about relationships, and that's that's what I really like about this industry. It's very people-oriented. You know, yeah, there's a lot of emailing and things like that, but to really get things done, you have to talk to people to get it done. And I think that's kind of what this generation of new college graduates might be missing is really getting back into that being people-oriented type of mindset. So that's what I really like about this industry is just people first, for sure. And then something to kind of go on with here, you know, the first three years here, you know, I was the youngest person here. We weren't hiring any young people didn't seem like again. it only seemed like people knew about the industry because my dad worked at it or somebody knows somebody in the industry. Then, as Greg said, lumber got sexy. Now people are like, "Oh, you know, how how do I get in this lumber industry?" And Now, in the past year or two, we finally have some people younger than me. COVID, you know, definitely got people to notice this industry for sure. And uh, we've hired we've hired some really good people here, so we're pretty excited for you know what's coming down the pipe. Yeah, no, I I, lo- I love it. i uh, Greg and I. We take calls from
1: people a lot younger than us every day a lot of fun to talk to it motivates me it pushes me when you see that kind of energy yeah this so industry needs uh, it for it's, sure. it's really cool
2: not that it's kind of an old person industry but eventually there's gonna have to be a new generation of people in this industry so people need to get in now i mean for any young wannabe trader out there i mean this is a great time to get into the industry that's for sure you know you still have the industry veterans, uh, that are very helpful and willing to teach you as well. So this is a great time to get in.
0: When you think a little about you know the LMC membership, four hundred fiercely independent dealers, and you know you're looking at like vendors for LMC. What are the things that LMC looks for in the vendors? You've got such a great reputation with your ven- with with your with your members. You know, the level of loyalty, what a great, you know, obviously it's widely known, but like what a great job you guys do for your members. There's a lot of potential vendors out there that may be listening and saying, Hey, what could I do to be a valuable part of the LMC vendor community?
2: Yeah. The biggest thing we pitch to our members is with the purchasing power we have, we can buy directly from the mill. Closest you can get to buying from the mill logically should be the cheapest because then. There's no middle ground. Of course, here and there, if you need a fill-in truck, you're gonna have to buy through a distributor, wholesale, et cetera. But the goal for an LMC member is to buy from the mill directly. So as a vendor, when it comes to Euro especially, we've definitely added more vendors that way as well. You know, when I first started just five years ago, when it came to Euro, there was maybe three, four total suppliers of Euro. That was it. Now there's 30. (laughs) <laughs> yeah exactly exactly now it's 90 percent of what i'm doing even from pennsylvania all the way over to texas is euro that is 90 percent of what i do on a daily basis is euro great doesn't answer your question completely but i mean as an lmc member that's your goal that's our goal and that's the pitch to them is hey we can buy it directly from the mill um because of this power we have
0: right okay all right well
1: very cool. But my question to you, Joe, is you've listened to a few of our podcasts. You know, I had one person just send me an email while we were on this saying, hey, are you ever going to be <laughs> live on Rumble or YouTube? We've had a bunch of people asking us if we can do live video. What do you think we can do? Um, what do you like about the podcast? What can we do to, to add value to it, to grow it in the I future? Think,
2: well, kind of like you said uh, before, I mean, I think video content would be big. Um, I know you had it on LinkedIn before uh, when you're at a different place there. I don't know if it's, you know, you guys decided to switch off of that or. Anything like that, but you know, I think I think video is super important.
0: I keep pushing for the live, you know, the live and and you know, but that's they they can't censor me then, right? They can't yeah. they can't hold me back. I'll go on one of my crazy <laughs> rants and you know, God forbid I offend the snowflake.
2: <laughs> no, we can we can we can censor you. We just won't oh, watch okay. it live and just go. do the video. There uh, oh, <laughs> there you go. All right, that's new. There yeah. We got we got news there at the bottom. <laughs> There you go. Uh, but I do for my pep talk, just some insider info, I do rumble because for some reason, for my 100 views on YouTube, I can't have a song playing. So I can go to rumble, put a song in because I'll do a song of the week and it's yeah. no problem. If I go to YouTube, you know, I put a 30 second song in and they're like, nope, you can't have it what's, for my uh, what's this to week's song? views
0: what's this week's song
2: it's still early it's still early so i can't uh I, I can't give any hints away what's your
0: go-to genre that you know man are you like a country guy are you like a heavy you metal know, what are you
2: you know heavy i try to cater to my dealers so I'm gonna oh, say it's okay, mostly so- it's mostly classic rock. It's mostly classic rock. So. Okay, all right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I think but you it should be tough. I, I, the, I got the, I got the coming I here. I think
0: you should throw some of the you know like the new you know country rock in there. I mean, I think you know I think your dealer they'd be okay with that.
2: Yeah, I threw Post Malone in there. I think uh, no, it's well, many well, good reviews.
0: No, 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 that's a little edgy, that's a little edgy there, man.
2: <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. We try, but we're getting there. You
0: know, that's cool.
1: Joe, when I walk into the office on Saturday mornings, Greg usually has '90s rap videos playing. It's like, is it is it, Greg? Would you call that '90s rap slash <laughs> oh love videos?
2: How would you? Little action. It's more of the uh, mellow no, that's, stuff. You, you,
0: that's, it, no, it's hard. It's it's hard. It's hardcore rap. And actually, yes, I haven't. I've been doing country on Saturday mornings now. The rap is the go-to when you're in the weight room, and you know, and, yep. and you need, you know, you need to generate some anger. Although when I really want to get after it, I throw some Linkin Park on, and I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm that after it.
2: Wow, <laughs> I like the Linkin Park. I love yeah. it. I love it.
1: Yeah, Joe, uh, thank you from LMC for coming on. That concludes episode 14 of the Lumber Word. We will have the breakdown up on our website. Like you said, you can go to our new website, thelumberword.com. And we're looking forward to getting this out real quickly and uh, and producing the show for next week. Joe, thank you so much. Look forward to talking to you again.